Sam, have you ever wondered how to go about getting a DJ gig at Glastonbury featuring a special guest appearance from a Spice Girl? I was just typing that into ChatGPT right now. <laughs> well, there is no need to consult AI because you just listen to Helping Musicians Podcast. <laughs> you can indeed, Mark. And you can indeed, dear listener, because on this week's show, we have the living legend, Abby McCarthy. BBC introducing in Kent host, founder of Good Karma Club, the legendary little gig night running around not just London, but the whole country. She is linked to badass artists such as Vemby. We're talking Mimi Webb. We're talking May Muller. And on this week's show, she'll tell you how to increase your chances of radio play. She'll tell you how to increase your chances of becoming best friends with a Spice Girl. And she will tell you how to increase your chances of not fucking up a touring schedule. I want to be best friends with a Spice Girl. Do you think we'll ever get to a situation where we just have songs sort of implanted into our heads? Probably. Like adverts? Well, no, just just the... Rather than you listen to this thing that goes... It just... It's just in your head. It's like an earworm, but it's a chip in your brain and you can't escape the song. It's Black Mirror come to life. It probably is the yeah, future, isn't it? It's a real it? earworm. I'm scared. Real earworm. <laughs> yeah, it's literally like those ones you have in less sexy parts of your body. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the uh, Helping Musicians podcast. <laughs> Away from the, uh, the worm chat, Abby... Abby, Abby. Hello, Abby. Welcome to the Helping Musicians Podcast. Listener, welcome to the Helping Musicians Podcast. Abby, we're excited to have you on. Number of reasons, other than you being a wonderful human, talented human, and a ray of sunshine. It's because you wear many hats, and you wear many hats that can bring value to a musician that start their career. So thank you for for coming on the show. My pleasure. Um, We'd love to get into the value straight away. So the first question we want to ask you, uh, and we are going to talk about the many different parts of what you do, but I want to start off with radio. Musician listening to this right now, an artist that's got songs, they are good, but they're working out their master plan to get them out to the world. What do you think the three things a musician in that position should do to increase their chances of radio play? Yeah, the first one, and it's an obvious one that you've kind of touched on, but you can't skip this point. I repeat, you cannot skip point one. Make sure the song is good. Like, is it genuinely the very best (laughs) that it can be? Because, you know, you only get one chance, don't you, to make a, a first impression that track that you put out into the world, first of all, needs to be the absolute business. And I think it's really important that that track is authentic as well. Like never, ever try and follow trends because you know what music is like. It's fickle. It's here, there and everywhere. And whatever lane you're trying to copy, it'll be out of fashion by next week. So make music that is true to you. And I think that always, you know, totally shines through. So yeah, point one, make sure the song is amazing don't settle for anything less set the bar high and just make sure that it's something that you're you know excited for the for the world to hear and then tip two for me is it's all about timing like even if you've just finished cooking up an absolute banger give yourself time you need to build up to this release. You know, you've got to upload it to DSPs, start teasing it on socials, road test it live. That's always a good way to find out if people like the music. And, you know, if you've just made the most euphoric, arms in the air, rave moment, don't release it the week before Christmas when everyone's thinking about, you know, cheese boards, (laughs) panic buying presents and belting out Mariah Carey around the house. Wait, wait till, you know, pre-festival season, wait until summer's on the horizon. And then that is when that song will really have its moment. And also with the timing thing, I've had it before where... A brand new artist has uploaded a song to BBC Introducing. I love it. I'm I'm obsessed with it. I've made it my record of the week. I'm telling everybody that will listen about this song. And then 
you just don't hear from this artist for like six months. And it's a bit like, hello, is anyone there? You know, it's all about momentum, isn't it? Whereas if they had a plan, they had that next song ready, all of a sudden the, the hype is building and you're kind of building towards something. So I think, yeah, timing is is absolutely crucial. And then tip three, I'm trying to keep these concise because I like to waffle. Tip three is a phrase that I like to live (laughs) um, my life by, which is the worst they can say is no. Having that approach, I feel like I've flagged quite a few Mm -hmm. things in my career. So I'd like to pass that on to any musicians listening to this chat today. If you've made a song and you think it's perfect for a radio show, maybe it's my BBC Introducing show or somebody else's show, don't be afraid to slide into those DMs, work out their email and just ask them politely and succinctly, no one needs your life story, just hello, can you check out the song? And feel free to kind of open that message with an explanation of the song and why you think it would really suit that particular show. And a bit of flattery never goes amiss. Hi, Abby, I really like your radio show. I love, you know, what you do for independent musicians. Can you check out my song? I, I set aside time every single week to, to do that, to go through the DMs and, and see what people have sent me. Obviously, I get sent a lot of music on email as well and just other bits that I'm discovering. We, as presenters, want to be that person that discovers the next big thing. How exciting is that? You could click on a SoundCloud link and you find the next Adele, the next Arctic Monkeys, the next Stormzy. And it all started with you listening and you believing in them and you giving them that radio play. So yeah, don't, don't be afraid to reach out. Like I think people respect the hustle. Let's have a chat about the hustle. <laughs> I think one of the things I like talking to BBC introducing presenters is most of you have had to hustle yourself to get yeah. that, that kind of dream job. So you've got some empathy and maybe musicians don't always necessarily realize that. So I think it's, mm. it's quite fun and actually quite insightful sometimes if you're feeling like sharing to hear some of your hustles that you did to, get to your place because to most people's view you're doing the you're living the dream you're doing music and football happy day (laughs) (laughs) I mean it is the dream it really is I'm I feel so lucky every single day to get to do the job I do and the fact that it is so varied you know I get to follow my passion in in music I get to kind of go out and DJ at festivals places I'd go to for fun and now I get to work there very much in inverted commas and yeah like you say you know explore my other passion of sport I'm I'm so so lucky and I think that's what I love particularly about BBC Introducing is that it's like it's kind of like a synonymous journey isn't it as a presenter as it is with the with the artist like your entry point yeah, the first exactly. everything I got to do for the BBC was presenting my introducing show and it's opened so many doors and then I get to you know give that musician that first stamp of approval and play them on my show and then they you know, go on to be, I don't know, introducing track of the week on Radio One, or they get to walk out at, at Glastonbury. And it kind of all started through just somebody kind of believing in them. I would just say, remember that you're introducing presenters, like you say, more than anybody kind of understand what you're what you're going through. But in terms of my own hustle, I'm trying to think actually, there's been there's been there's been a lot over the years. I feel like it's <laughs> I thought you were trying to avoid the question, but no, just <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> if I really wanna like interview somebody or I really wanna get um an artist on at my gig night or whatever, like I was saying before, just ask them. Like the worst they can say is no. Yeah. And instead of, you know, getting into the mindset like what if it goes wrong and kind of overthinking and worrying, because we all do that, actually just putting a positive spin on everything. What if it goes right? I ask, you know, um, I asked Mel C to do an interview with me when I was doing a podcast series. She said, yes. I'm like, you're literally one of the Spice Girls. You're literally one of my favorite, probably humans that's ever existed. I've been obsessed with you since I was like five. And she's like, yeah, cool. We can have a chat. That's fine. 
And um, and then she ended up coming out as a did surprise a guest for me thing? when I did my first set at Glastonbury last year, my first ever DJ set. I was in this oh, rave wow. tree in the Greenpeace area. I couldn't believe I was DJing at Glastonbury. And then she she comes out and is my surprise guest. We do a bit of a back-to-back and it was this whole moment that I'll never forget. And it all started by the fact that she she was just a guest and you know we connected and yeah. we spoke about music. And I think that's the thing, is wow. it? Lots of people, you kind of fangirl or fanboy over they are just people at the end of the day. And actually, I think yeah. they quite they quite enjoy it as well. I think their egos like it. They kind of know that you you're, you love them so much. But um, but yeah, they remember what it's like to start out and so, they like giving people those opportunities. So yeah, don't be afraid of anything so, would be would be my advice. So the butterfly effect that ended with you DJing at Glastonbury <laughs> with a special guest that was a Spice Girl just started with you reaching out cold. Yeah, it's surreal saying it out loud. Like, it's one of those. How did you get Spice Girl's email? Or did you slide into the DMs? How? Oh, I just did a little bit of rooting around and then I managed to find a manager email online. I think that's the other thing. If you're willing to put in a bit of time to just, like, yeah. research, <laughs> you can find nearly everybody's manager's email or their live agent's email or a BBC presenter's email because they're easy to guess is what I've realised a lot of artists are onto already. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's break this down. You just decided you wanted to interview a Spice Girl. You went on Google, did some research, <laughs> no connections before, and found a Spice Girl manager's email address. And that started the butterfly effect that ended up months later with you having a Spice Girl as your special guest at Glastonbury. Pretty much. Google's quite good, isn't it? Love the internet. That's a good hustle. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> Got any more? Oh, what else is there? We could just end, that's a mic drop, isn't it? We could just end the podcast yeah. there, really. That is, I mean, that, is, that is a good one, to be fair. Thanks, Abby. What else has there been? I guess even with me like doing my introducing show, I went in when somebody else was presenting it. I, again, found their email and was like, I'm really good at making tea and I love the show. Can I come and just see how it works? It was a guy called Jacob who was presenting it at the time. And yeah, I went in and absolutely loved it. And I was just really hands-on, like making notes, always recommending music. And I was like, if you ever need someone to do interviews, and I was just really proactive. And I think in a way, I then kind of made myself a bit like indispensable because they kept like inviting me back. They were like, come back, come back. It's great having you around. It's great having your, you know, kind of knowledge and and passion for the local scene. And this was all voluntary at at this point. And then Jacob went off to a stag do and, and a wedding. Uh, subsequent weeks which I thought was bold because it was the same groom and I I covered the <laughs> the BBC introducing show while he was away which for me was just a total dream obviously I had to do like a a bit of yeah. a pilot and stuff but because Jacob had seen all the kind of work I put in he had a bit of a word with the bosses and was like I think Abby would be really good to cover I did this pilot pretend radio show basically and they were like yeah she's she's quite good and that's where it kind of all all started, covered for a couple of weeks. And then, yeah, and then Jacob moved on to a, another area of the BBC. And then, yeah, and then I took on the show, which is nearly 10 years ago now, guys, which is terrifying. <laughs> Need to uh, really step up on the uh, wow. the moisturiser and uh, skincare re- regime. But, um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jacob never came back from the stag do. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a great twist, wouldn't it? He did actually. He was yeah. a shell of himself. When you make the he, movie, he that should be that should be the, that should be the script change. Exactly. When I get to pen the uh, the tell all book, I'll uh, I'll put that in there just yeah. for a bit of extra spice. What's the best way you've been hustled? Musicians Ooh. trying to get on your radar in creative, interesting ways. That is a good one. Quite a lot of musicians will come up to me at my gig night. I run a gig night in London called uh, Good Karma Club, which is just a showcase new music yeah. night for what I think are incredible artists trying to yeah make their mark. So sometimes artists will come up to me at that and be like, oh, I also make music. Will you check it out? And then 
we'll swap details or whatever and they'll send it over. Yeah, lots it's just sliding in the DMs. Often it's just saying something, like I was saying earlier, a bit of flattery never goes amiss. People love it. Or just just some, mm. just something funny, just something that's actually going to pique your your interest is always a good way to to stand out, I think. I know sometimes people go really far, don't they? You have you hear these stories about like artists that have <laughs> yeah, like doorstop people or they've like oh, I think there was just a presenter who'd put like his C V on a car or something and I was like we don't need to yep, be doing yeah, that. Yeah. I just think yeah. you know, there's there's hustle Max and then there's a bit like less less relax. Stalking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when does when does hustling just tip over into you're outside my house? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a fine line between creative hustling and getting an asbo. I think we've uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Used a few times. Well, Abby, you've talked a lot. You know, if most of the past five minutes has been talking about hustle in terms of a relationship with someone. So whether it's someone trying to get your attention or you trying to get the attention of someone else, you know, you're a very passionate new music fan. So when you are just proactively looking for new music, so that's not what you've been sent, but you, you're you just in a certain mood for a type of new music or you know you've got a slot on the show that you want to cover. How are you proactively finding that new music? And then from that, you know, is there anything a musician can learn of like, always do this on Spotify, always do this on your Instagram, et cetera? Is there anything that is makes it more likely for you to listen, find it, those kind of things? When I'm just in the mood to find something new, I'll go on TikTok because it's the... It's like the platform at the moment, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's obviously the fastest growing one. There's so much great new music on my For You page now. My algorithm has changed. When I first went on, it was really weird, by the way. I was getting loads of like conspiracy (laughs) theory stuff and ghost stories. Not sure why. (laughs) Eventually, I think it realized, hang on. No, no, no. She's here for the new music and the cute animal content. Mm. And now... And a bit of football, obviously. So now I'm <laughs> now I'm locked into the the dream algorithm. So I find loads of great music on there. And for me, what I guess I love about music is is seeing it live. I think that's where a song, you know, just just totally sounds its best, and you can really kind of understand it more. So for me, if I can go on TikTok and see an artist just kind of like in their their rawest form, just like sharing their music. I think that's that's a beautiful thing. And I found lots of good things that way. I'm also like a big lyric person as well. So if I ever go on TikTok and someone's kind of like breaking down lyrically what their song means or the theme of it, I feel like that really gets me engaged. And I often watch the whole thing as well. And Instagram Reels is probably another good way to to find it because I've done it before where I'm, yeah, I'm watching an artist that that I already follow, that I already like. You know what it's like. You end up on a, a right spiral, don't you? And then you, and then two hours have gone <laughs> and you haven't done any of the things that you said you would do. But in the process, I have discovered, you know, loads of new artists. I think it's just about if you go onto an artist's socials, if I hear, if, you know, I see a little snippet on reels that I like, if I then go onto their profile page, just making sure that it's all laid out super easily to see what's their latest single, where are they playing live next? And then, yeah, I can become a fan and and kind of instantly engage with them. What about on streaming platforms? Is there anything you found, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about social media and that normally means TikTok or Instagram to, to an artist, but, you know, maybe you've had heard the track through the uploader or someone has the MD complimented you, you've listened, you're trying to find out more. Is there anything that you think artists often F up when it comes to like their Spotify profile, for example, or anything like that, which an artist can learn from? Oh, that's a good one. I think it's the same actually on the introducing uploader where sometimes you read someone's bio and it's so dated and you just think you're probably a very different person to what you were five years ago. Let's update that and let's update that across everything. 
on Instagram, on Spotify, you know, making sure that you're just, as we were saying earlier, I guess, putting your best foot forward, representing yourself um, in the in the best kind of possible mm. way. So yeah, making sure everything's updated. I think that's that's really, really important. I also really like it when an artist, whether it's in their Spotify bio or, you know, on the uploader or wherever else, kind of contextualizes the music as well. Cause that kind of gives you a little bit of a window into the world that they're a part of or the world that they want to become a part of as well. So, you know, even if it's just being mm. like, oh, you know, I make chill R and B or I make pop music that's gonna, you know, get you right in the feels or whatever. And, and instantly I'm like, okay, I, I know I know what we're dealing with here. And I think that's that's a really good way to do it. And there's so many good playlists that I, yeah, I'm always checking out to find good new music in. I love our generation on Spotify. I always think that has got amazing things. Obviously mm. the Fresh Friends playlist as well is like updated super regularly. And also what I love is when your favorite artist shares another artist because often you think hang on a minute if I like their music that's probably going to be a bit of me as well and that's something I want to see a lot more of as well I feel like when I first like was kind of working in radio and in in music it felt like there were there were pockets of scenes yeah but it was a little bit like there was kind of a competitive edge to stuff it kind of felt like people would be like oh I'm the artist of the moment and you know, everyone was kind of like trying to trying to hustle and not actually form a community. And I think that has really, really changed. There's like a community that I really love called Loud London. It's a collective of female non-binary yes. musicians based in London and, and the Southeast. And all they do is they just support each other and listen to each other and love each other. And honestly, it's like this amazing, relentless gang I, I absolutely love it so whenever hmm. one of them has a new release they're all kind of posting it and they're all kind of giving their opinion on it and you know there's been a few collaborations that have popped up and they often do nights together and they collaborated with my gig night a few months ago and we raised a load of money for charity which was amazing so I think that's the another really important thing is is finding your people finding your tribe you know who's gonna kind of support you who's gonna help you elevate your music because there's a lot of music out there. How are you going to get your music to stand out? A nice way to do that is just to be friends with people, right? And kind of elevate them. And in turn, they'll elevate you. Is it fair to say some people can get intimidated by that? And they're like, I don't know those people. I don't know the right people. But J- Jess is had a great one liner, which is it's not who you know, it's who you get to know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can put energy and effort into growing into those communities. Yeah, I think it's just about putting yourself in those spaces regardless, isn't it? Always being around and therefore by association kind of getting to know them as well. Like I was saying earlier, don't be afraid to slide into my DMs or another presenter's DMs with your music. If you believe in it and you think it's amazing, you you do it. But also the same goes for if you're, say, a new band and you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute. I don't know, Blossoms are touring in my area. My music would suit theirs so well. I'd be a great support slot. Just 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 DM them and be like, look, I'm such a big fan. I do a great show. Here's a link. Can you put me on? They might just reply with a big fat yes. And then that'll be one hell of a show. So, you know, just just go for it. I think if you don't already know them, yeah, just do your best to to get to know them. The question I want to ask you is actually away from specifically music and like musicians and just generally in terms of like you know, we talked a lot about hustling. We talked a lot about like building those relationships. But just in terms of staying inspired and positive, is there anything that you do to help you with that? The way I stay inspired, I think, is just to make sure that, yeah, I'm 
giving myself time. I think sometimes when I'm really, really busy, I really struggle to be creative because my mind's just kind of racing. So making sure that I do actually take care of myself and, you know, allocate a, a, a bit of time and, you know, just go for a walk and, and listen to a podcast or I watch like a music documentary. And then sometimes those moments, actually, you get so many more ideas off the back of it than trying to like force it. So I think it's about the days that you're feeling creative, really like run with it. And the days that you're not, don't kind of give yourself a, a hard time, but make sure you're scheduling other time to unwind and kind of be inspired. I think is my main thing because yeah I've, I've for a long time when I started out in music it was just like yeah the hustle as we've spoken about that's a huge part of it and you don't say you know you don't say no really to any opportunities you're so desperate to kind of get your foot in the door and and build and kind of you know get known as a as a broadcaster and then it just got to a stage where it was it was burnout city and it, that's not a pretty place you know I just need to make sure that mm. I am taking time out now and like you say, in that time is where you can you can get inspired and some of the, the best ideas mm. come. So, yeah, listening to a lot of podcasts, music documentaries. I read quite a lot of music related books as well. But I also think it's important to read stuff that's not related to your field as well, because I think that totally shifts your your thinking. I think that's a really good thing. There's only so many good music books. I think some of them. Not for me, you know, I'll, uh, you know, go, go, just go and read something else. Go and read a, a novel that you can lead yourself in and you'll, you'd be surprised what ideas, you know, come up. I think we should ask about the club night because that's something you've had to do, which is absolutely directly related to some of the things musicians have to do. And I'm just wondering what lessons you've learned from building your own club night that musicians could draw on for when they have to do similar, whether it's they're just putting on their own individual gigs or they actually decide to build something concert up like a club night as well yeah that has been a real learning experience one of my favorite things that I do and I'm so proud of where Good Karma Club has got to but yeah it's it's been a journey not to sound like X Factor but it, it really has been it's the uh the seventh year <laughs> of, of doing it this year and it's something I've been like meaning to do for for such a long time but I didn't have a clue what I was doing to be honest I obviously like music <laughs> I'm a new music fan Hopefully I've got a fairly good ear for it just, you know, throughout my time, you know, doing radio. But I had no idea in terms of the logistics, you know, what's a good venue, what's a fair deal that the venue give you, all of that sort of stuff. So yeah. for me, it was just like finding a great team from the offset that could could help me. Because I think sometimes we've spoken about it a lot, but to come back to that, the hustle, there's a there's a tendency to think you have to do everything yourself. Actually, one of the biggest things I've learned is outsource something if it's not your strength. Never be afraid to be like, actually, yeah, I I don't know how to do sound checks and advance a gig. I'm going to bring in some great people who can do that. And then I can focus on my strengths which is curating the lineup making sure it's sick and you know promoting it and hosting it and and making sure everyone's you know having having a good time so that was really crucial for me getting a team on board nice and early who could who could help me I think do you mean a team of your mates who share your passion yeah I know a team sounds a bit official doesn't it yeah it's a load of people in uh, suits with briefcases so you mean finding like-minded friends Yes, exactly. Friends of mine in the uh, in the music industry who were willing to to take a punt on me as well. And, you know, I made some mistakes along the way. They've taught me a lot along the way as well. And that's been, yeah, that's been a really nice thing. And then it's just been, yeah, all kind of organically building it throughout the years. You know, we started 
in a, a really small pub venue, um, the Islington, the like literally the sweatiest room in London. It's got like a, a red silky curtain at the back and it's it must be just dripping with sweat. Got boudoir vibes, isn't it? It has. It's a little bit kinky in there, I'll be honest. But it was a it was a place yeah. to start. Uh, we did some free entry nights there. And then we moved over to the Seabright Arms, which is uh, like more of a kind of pub-based venue. You kind of walk down and there's a there's a basement and we did some shows there. And then, yeah, over the last few years, we've we've just managed to kind of move it around London to, to different venues. And I've really enjoyed that, actually, because I think for a while it was a bit like it was rooted in a certain venue and it was always on the same time every month. It used to be the last Thursday of every month. And now, as the night has evolved and people get it a bit more, we can be really flexible. So... If we are booking an amazing electronic artist, we could be like, oh, that venue is going to be way better for them because the lighting and the visuals suit their music more. Let's let's bring the night there. Or, oh, that indie band, they, they're going to want the sound to be amazing. We want, obviously, everybody standing. We want this and we want that. And we can kind of just adapt to whatever whatever the show is. We've done a few tours around the UK as well, which has been interesting because I always wanted to make sure it wasn't just something that stayed as like a kind of London-centric thing. So we've done a couple of tours and that's a totally different beast to promoting shows in London. So again, (laughs) that was a learning curve. And that's where actually, again, I love being part of BBC Introducing because it's such a family. We've got presenters based around all of the country. So I can be like, Guys, I'm coming to Birmingham. Can you tell <laughs> can you tell your music scene? Or you know, I'm coming to, you know, Cambridge. Can you can you let everybody know? And that that was really really useful. Finding fun ways to promote a tour was interesting because you just have to keep promoting it and nobody wants to just be like there's 100 tickets left. Now there's only 75. You know, you've got to, it's just like trying to challenge yourself to uh to think of different fun ways to promote it. That's been again a bit of a learning experience. But yeah, it's got to a really great place now and I just I just love doing it. I just, you know, I book artists that I love and would I want to go and see and it just happens that it's my gig night and um other people get to enjoy it as well. Well, to end all the new music chat, Abby. Final question to every guest. As we record this on the 5th of June, 2023, what is one piece of new music you are loving right now? Just one? God, that's hard, isn't it? It's like picking your (laughs) favourite musical baby. But I'm going to go for uh, Better Man by Siku. So he is an artist that I've been aware of Mm. for, for a while. And it's finally his debut single. And it's, yeah, it's something special. It's the perfect debut for him, I think. It just shows off his voice, which is honestly one of the most remarkable things I've ever heard live. I think he's such a a special talent. And this is a great way to introduce him to the world. But, you know, following his stories and kind of seeing what else he's been up to, he's been doing sessions with people like Soundwave, you know, Kendrick Lamar's producer. He's been pictured with Jimmy Napes. Sam Smith is starting to share Siku's music. So it's just a start and it feels like, yeah, the perfect introduction. So if you haven't heard that already, I urge everybody listening to to go and check it out because Siku is the future. It's a beautiful tune. Mega choice. Big, big tune. Cool. Thank you for your time, Abby. That was easy, wasn't it? It went really quickly. 